We welcome everybody to View from the Press Box as Brad Hallier and I look at playoff time here in central Kansas. Well, Brad, we when we started this podcast, we were wondering how far football season would get, especially at the high school ranks. And lo and behold, we have made it to the playoffs. There were some bumps along the way. We got some odd records because of games missed, but uh, we're right on schedule. The first week of the playoffs uh, starts this Thursday. Um, discounting, I'm not discounting, but six-man got underway. Um, this last week, but eight man on Thursday, 11 man on Friday this week. So uh, we've made it to this point. I think that's, that's a lot being said right there. Yeah. And it, like you said, Scott, there's been some hiccups along the way. There's been some bumps on the road and some cancellations. And, you know, we lost one of the good games of the season with Derby and Hutchinson would have been a dandy and we lost some matchups like that. But Hey, at the end of the day, the kids got out there, they played a lot of football this year and now it's time for the real fun to start. Well, let's start through, and we got a bunch of games for you tonight, folks. Let's start with our Thursday schedule on Ad Astra, 94-7, as uh, maybe one of the biggest surprises this year in eight-man or in just high school football, Peabody Burns, 5-3. and three. They were at 4-2 and two in their district. They're at 5-1, and 4-1 and one Central Plains. Central Plains beat Wilson 56-20 on Friday. And, and this one, Brad, this was, this was crazy. We were at the Central Christian game. And, of course, they were in this district with Peabody Burns. We were looking at Peabody playing at Norwich because they were a half a game or uh, one game ahead of Central Christian. Well, we were looking at a Central Christian win. We didn't think Peabody Burns could pull the upset on the road that Central would slip in. Well, what Peabody Burns did was won in overtime in a wild one at Norwich, 48-42, and it created a four-way tie. Those two schools, Caldwell and uh, South Barber, all at four and two, and Norwich went from hosting and being the number one seed to going to Victoria as the four seed. So they're saying, thank you very much, Peabody Burns, for sending us to Victoria. And now Peabody <laughs> Burns gets a chance to pull another one at Central Plains this week. Yeah, there, there are very few teams playing as well as Peabody Burns is right now. Central Plains is 5-1, and one, and if you lop off those first two games – that uh, Peabody, Peabody Burns played this year. They're also 5-1. and one. Now, you can't discount the losses to Little River and Central Christian, but the fact of the matter is they have also won five out of six like Central Plains has, and they've beaten some good teams along the way. They've beaten Caldwell. They've beaten Norwich. So, boy, I tell you what, that, that Norwich win, they, they, they were up at halftime and they fell behind late, and they got it tied, and then they won in overtime. So, boy, so much credit to this Peabody Burns team for, for bouncing back from an 0-2 start where they actually didn't score a single point in those first two games to, to not only make the playoffs, but to put it in, in, a, in a pretty interesting game with Central Plains. And it's going to be very interesting. I, ca I can't go as far as saying I think Peabody Burns is going to win this game, but that it will be an interesting game into the second half. I think it will be in the end. I think Central Plains has got um, – a few of their veterans along with a young group playing really well, even though they missed, like you said, their first couple of games. I, I do favor Central Plains in this one, but um, I would not – let me put it this way. I'm not going to be shocked if Peabody pulls, an, pulls another upset because they, they, they've already proved they can. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone should be shocked by that. I do like Central Plains in this one, though. Uh, they've got – you know, just the one loss on the on the docket, but it was still undefeated Victoria, so certainly no shame in that one. And it was a close one at that, twenty-eight to fourteen. So this isn't quite the Central Plains teams of, of a few years back that would go undefeated, but 
it's still a pretty it, it's still a good Central Plains team. Well, yeah, we both agree here. We like Central Plains to advance. The game I have is on ninety five point nine Valley Falls at Canton Galva. Valley Falls ended up three and four, one and two in their district. Canton Galva's perfect on the season, eight and zero, five and zero. They're still ranked number one. Uh, Valley Falls hasn't played since the sixth of October when they, um, I think I got this wrong earlier. They actually lost to Flint Hills Christian in that game, 58, 32. Um, they had a uh, natural cancellation in there. Then they had the Washington County game on the 23rd cancel. So they're actually on a three game losing streak. And now you got to play a Canton Galva team that just blasted Lincoln 70 to eight on the road on Friday. Their closest games, the one we had with little river 56, 38, um, uh, I look at this Canton Galva team, Brad, and they are just, they're so solid. Garrett Maltby, the sophomore quarterback, he, he's thrown 17 touchdowns, not a single pick and has completed 50 out of 66 of his passes and has added 12 rushing touchdowns, 734 yards on the ground. He's averaging 22 yards a carry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy cow. And Braden <laughs> Collins He's at a measly 11 yards a carry. He's their main running back, 23 touchdowns, 872 yards. Then, he, then we haven't gotten to Tyson Struber that plays receiver mostly. He's averaging um, 86 receiving yards a game. He's got 12 touchdowns, uh, 686 receiving yards on 31 catches. And then he's the leading tackler with 47 and a half tackles. And he has five picks. Um, this – this is just an incredibly talented, even though they're a little younger than the than their state title team last year. Um, I certainly like them um, winning going away, and I, I think they will send me home early um, Thursday. Yeah, you won't be there until the second half, Scott, and that's no disrespect to Valley Falls in any capacity. That's just how good this Canton Galva team is, and you know they've only gone the distance once this year. And I would, and looking at their their schedule, they pretty much have. I think I'm not sure they got into the second half of any other game this year. So they've, yeah, you, you won't be there past halftime. And that's more of an indication of Canton Galva than, than anything else. Again, that's Canton Galva Valley Falls on 95 9, 100.3 finds three and four, two and three, Maxville at seven and one and four and oh in the district, Argonia Attica. Argonia Attica wallop Fairfield 77 to eight last Friday, Maxville. Boy, tough loss in overtime at home to Kinsley, 50-44. to 44. I've been searching for a way I think the Mustangs can pull the upset in this one. I just think Argoniatica um, just too good this year. I, 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 th- I like them in this one. They've been kind of one of the more underrated powers of, of eight-man football these last few years, and I, I, they haven't quite got that elusive title but they're still awfully good. And once again, you know, their only loss is the undefeated Clifton Clyde this year. So they, they don't have a, they, they, and they beat Norwich 46 to nothing and mm-hmm. you know, a good Norwich team. And they beaten Gossel 42 to 14. And this is a good uh, Argonia Attica team. And I agree, Scott, uh, I, I like them in this one. And I, I like them to probably, probably to win it comfortably. Maxwell's, uh, you know, they, they got the three wins on the season. They beat Kiowa County and St. John back to back and, and played pretty well against a good Kinsley team losing that game in overtime. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go against Argonia Attica on this one. I won't either. I, I like them to advance on and, and maybe make a push uh, in the eight-man D1 playoffs. Uh, the lone 11-man game we have for you on Thursday night on Kicks 106, 2-6, 2-3 Marion. 
at 7-1, 5-0 Garden Plain. They're ranked number six in Class 2A. Garden Plain shut out Blue Stem on the road, 57-0 on Friday. Marion got their second win of the season. Unfortunately, it was a forfeit. Lions was unable to play this past Friday night. So Marion, they beat Sterling in a tight game for their one official win on the field. Um, they have played tough. They've had a lot of trouble scoring points this season. Garden Plains got a good defense. Um, they're big up front. They're physical. I think they're going to pound it right at Marion. And I think, I think Garden Plain comes out on top. I might have been a little bit more encouraged about Marion's chances here if they had played Lions last week just to get that second game and get a real two-game winning streak going. And so what would have been, a no matter what, a tough game anyway. But not getting that game against Lions, that doesn't help them in this in this situation, I think. And Garden Plains played so well this season, 44-7 to loss to Cheney aside, and they've just really been whooping teams since then, and including getting a great win over Kingman, 14-10. to and let's not forget, they also beat Conway Springs to open the season 14-13. Mm-hmm. So this the Garden Plain team is well tested this year. They're I, I like them big in this one. I just again I kind of wish Marion had gotten that game in with Lions through no fault of their own that they, they, they did it. It, it would have been a good boost for them to go into this game with a with a real two game winning streak. Yeah, they, they they did need that Lions game, and again, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And speaking of the Lions, Lions, they're the Ad Astra stream game on Thursday night. Lions is officially 0-5. They have played just three games. They had to forfeit two district games, Hillsboro and Marion. They're going to travel to 0-8 Blue Stem, who lost, uh, we mentioned just a minute ago, to Garden Plain 57 to nothing. Had Lions played the last couple of weeks, I'd feel a lot more optimistic, Brad, about them being able to go out on the road and, and win this kind of what we call playout game. Um, these two teams didn't qualify for the playoffs, but not playing those two weeks, being so thin, having so little experience with just three games this year, I, I, I think Blue Stem will probably get their first win of the season. And yeah, they've, they've been shut out, it looks like, what, one, two, three, four times this year, and they haven't scored more than six points in any game. But they do play a pretty tough schedule, Blue Stem. You know, they've, they've, beat, they've played Garden Plain, they've played Kingman, they played Bell Plain, the playoff team, they played Chaparral, a playoff team. I believe uh, Larned is a playoff team as well. They, they get Andale this week, so yeah. So they played a lot of good teams this year and, and a tough schedule. Uh, another one, Eureka, which is a very good team as well on that schedule. So And the fact that they have played an entire schedule, that's one of the reasons I do like Blue Sim in this one. Uh, another game that we um, were going to try to carry, it didn't work out. Let's go ahead and look at it anyhow, because it's intriguing to me. The Mound Ridge Wildcats are 4-4, four and 3-2. Four, and two. Boy, a tough draw in the first round. They're going to travel to Lacrosse. It was 4-3 and three overall, but went 4-1 and one in their district. Lacrosse defeated Kiowa County 52-6 on Friday night. Mound Ridge won 44-18 at Pretty Prairie. Mound Ridge, after a tough a couple opening losses to Chase County and Canton Galva. Um, this is a scrappy bunch. They have they've won, had some nice wins, including this last week on the road at Pretty Prairie. They have played some good teams. I just think I looked at lacrosse's schedule. Um, four and three. Uh, they're a very underrated four and three team. Um, I think Mound Ridge, as they always do. I think they'll play tough. I think it's going to be too much to to go and win at lacrosse. I still. Maybe it's just me, Scott. I still look at lacrosse playing eight-man football, and it just yeah. it seems weird because they were they were a two-one-a power for so long, and 
I think they took a lot of pride in being the, the smallest 11-man school in Kansas, but eventually the numbers caught up with them and they had to go eight-man, and that's fine. But, yeah, Victoria, Hoxie, and Pratt Skyline, their three losses have been uh, co- a combined two losses for those three teams this year. So no shame in those three defeats. And they're, they're a sneaky four-and-three team. I, you know, I wouldn't discount lacrosse for anything, and I think uh, I, I do like them to beat Moundridge. And I tell you, I think lacrosse might be able to give uh, Argonia Attica a pretty tough second-round game. It'll be a very intriguing game. And now that I, my memory banks are jarred a little bit, I had this exact same matchup in the playoffs back when they were both in Class 2A in the playoffs a number of seasons back. And it was a pretty good game. Lacrosse ended up winning it. But um, that is kind of weird that now it's the uh, same matchup years later and they're both playing in eight-man Division One. So, again, I think we both think Manridge plays tough, but lacrosse wins. The other one here in the area that's intriguing is 5-3 and three Kinsley. They went 3-2 and two in their district. They're traveling to Gossel. The Bluebirds 3-3, three 2-1. Three, Gossel's last game was on the 9th of October when they beat Fairfield 56-6. to six. And we've already mentioned that Kinsley went in overtime over Maxville. 50 to 44. Looking at Kinsley's schedule, they played a good schedule, but what I noticed, Brad, is they put a lot of points up on the board. Gossel um, at times has struggled against better opponents to score, and certainly, even though Kinsley's traveling, I would not consider this an upset if Kinsley won the game, which I actually think they will. Well, I tell you, Kinsley just I mean, look at the points. Like you said, Scott, 42, 36, 64, 52, 56, 26, 46, 50. I mean, <laughs> definitely can put up a lot of points and, and and it gets a pretty decent schedule too. You know, Gossel hasn't played in a few weeks, and that that just that to me, Scott, that's a concern that mm-hmm. you haven't played in, in a few weeks. And now you're asked to go up against this Kinsley team that can just light up the scoreboard. I just gosh, I that 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 just scares me. As uh, if if I'm someone from Gossel that, that he haven't played in, in in three weeks and 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 against a Fairfield team that just said they had, didn't win a game so they really haven't been tested since Moundridge and that, that a good win for them sixty two to forty eight over Moundridge but boy I, the fact that they haven't played in a few weeks just really concerns me and the, the inactivity I think the only way that would have been a good thing is if they had been really beat up. And that enabled them to get, you know, two or three kids back. I don't believe that was the case. And and I think Kinsley Kinsley's offense, and I think they're just playing a little little too good of football right now um, for Gossel to pull off the win. But um, could be a good game. I, I do like Kinsley in that matchup. Well, that is our Thursday schedule and a couple other area Thursday games that we have on Ad Astra. So let's move into Friday night schedule. I'm already envious of you on this one, Brad. You have the 94-7 game. Six and two, four and one Haven at six and two, four and one Kingman. Kingman pulls into the rankings at number nine this week after Blast and Chaparral 42-2 on the road. Haven won 34-7 at Sterling. That's a week after they knocked off Trinity 20-18, who ended up winning that district and boy these are two really feel-good stories there's a veteran haven team having their best season in in a long time and a kingman team that came out of nowhere they they i think we had their first game against cheney in which they competed really well and then they nearly knocked off garden plain this is a sophomore laden team that doesn't know any better that they shouldn't be here and have a chance to advance and boy this is a pick'em game for me 
Yeah, I think it is too. And when you got these two teams who really don't have any playoff experience to speak of, I mean, they have in these two schools' history, they have combined for a whopping seven postseason <laughs> victories, five of them by Kingman. Haven has only been to the playoffs once since 2003, and that was in 2012. But 2003, that's how, how long ago was that? Andy Dirks was a senior, the, the former Major League Baseball player, <laughs> Hutchinson Community Hutchinson Community College and Wichita State uh, baseball star who you know later played in the World Series with the Detroit Tigers. That's how long it's been since they've really had much of a, of a success. They went 500 that one year in 2012. But they haven't won a postseason game since 1976, Scott. I, I wasn't even born yet, and I'm old. <laughs> I, I, I might have struggled to remember it. I would have been five years old then. I, I might have remembered it. Um, gosh, there's two things I typically look at a game like this that is so evenly matched up. A lot of times I'll favor the home team or I'll favor the team that has the veteran experience. Well, again, that leads me back to my Pick'em game because the veteran experience – is with Haven. They're, they have more seniors on their team um, that, have, that have, have been there. But Kingman's the home team with that sophomore laden team. So again, I'm back to the to the pick'em game, and I, I don't know that I'm going to commit to picking this one because whoever wins this game is just going to get m- more confidence than they already have going in, and could give a second round opponent a lot of trouble, which I believe you said could possibly be Hutch Trinity again. Right, and and Haven beat Trinity already this year, and what I like about Haven is that they they've you know Haven has always they've never struggled for athletes, Scott. They've always had good athletes. It just hasn't translated to a lot of success on the football field. They got the athletes again this year. Quarterback Darby Roper, I tell you what, that kid is just a lightning bolt. I mean, he's a very impressive athlete. He's really taking this team on his shoulders this year. It's a good team. It's he's a good quarterback. And I, I agree, Scott. I don't think how you can really have a favorite in this game. I mean, if Vegas was going to put odds on this one, it'd be a straight-up pick em. So uh, someone is going to experience a rare postseason win, good for one of those communities. It's going to be almost a packed house Friday night just because these neither team or neither school has experienced much in the way of postseason success. A 95-9 game, if you're thinking deja vu, you are right. Um, Circle and Bueller, it's not a misprint. They played last Friday. They're playing this Friday. Uh, circles one and five Bueller four and three Bueller one convincingly 42 to six and searches I might Brad I, I I think we see the same thing again that Bueller will they'll win big and advance in the class 4a playoffs this is actually the second time in three years where Bueller has opened up the postseason with a team that they've just played the week before that was a little bit different though when they played Winfield two years ago in the in the first round of the playoffs after beating them in week and week eight and what's different about it is they actually it was actually a close game in week eight with Winfield and then they won the playoff game uh, pretty handily but they won the last week so easily over circle Sam Elliott one of the top running backs in Kansas had six touchdowns for the second time this season in one game quarterback Bradley Neal's really turned it on here a little uh, late he's he's throwing the ball a lot better they're more diverse offensively and yeah Bueller's going to win this one and they're going to win comfortably it could lead to a second-round matchup against, it uh, looks like, possibly Rose Hill. But I'm like you. I think it's a convincing second straight week win over Circle. They're on 95.9. 100.3, also a rematch of a game earlier in the regular season. 2-5, and 1-3, and three, Chaparral visits the district champion Trinity Celtics, who went 7-1, and 4-1. and one. They won the 
winner-take-all game at home in a game we thought would be much closer. They won convincingly over Hillsborough, 41-14. to They're ranked number seven in Class 2A. Chaparral lost in a strange score, 42-2. to They got a safety in that game mm-hmm. against Kingman. Uh, Trinity won handily the first time. Like you said, second go-arounds can be a little different. I think it might be um, – Interesting for a while, but I still see Trinity winning and ending up winning comfortably. The thing that really stands out to me about last week's win over Hillsborough was how the week before when Trinity lost to Haven, how Coach Jordan Bell was so confident that his team was going to bounce back. He, he credited his senior leadership and that they would go in there to film on Saturday and watch film and be disgusted, but move on as soon as the film session ended, and they did. And this Trinity team, uh, you know, with uh, quarterback Alex Hammocky, and then you got Walt Gray, and you got so many good players out there. And I really like the, how diverse this offense is. The defense has been really good all season. Coach Jordan Bell is a little bit leery of playing Chaparral again this year, and, and understandably so. You don't often see two teams in high school football in, the sa- in, in one season, but I, I just don't see with the way Trinity played last week and with their senior leadership, I, I don't see how they don't win this one. I, I like Trinity to win this one comfortably. And I, I think they will, and, and I, I hope they will as well because I want to see them play the winner of that Kingman Haven game. I really, Absolutely. I really want to see that in week two. So we both agree Trinity will move forward. Kicks country 106. There's that underlying maybe potential for a big upset here. Four and four Halstead. Ended up two and three in that really tough Andale district. They're at undefeated eight and oh, five and oh. Cheney, who's ranked number three. Cheney beat Larnard 48 22 on Friday. And Halstead um, Trump, Wichita Trinity on the road 50 to eight. We saw Lake and Farmer Brad. We were very privileged to see that game against Heston when he ran for 534 yards. In, in that game, which was the second most all-time that we could ascertain in 11-man football. Um, the, the, the one trouble with Halstead is they, they are just over-dominantly a run team. They very seldom throw the ball. Cheney's good defensively. Halstead's going to have to find a way to loosen it up. If they can get Lake and Farmer, not just a lot of touches, because he's going to get a lot of touches, but if they're quality touches, if he can – somehow find a way to get even four or five yards a carry, keep Harrison both and that Cheney offense on the sideline a lot in this game. They might have a chance, but I think that's that's so much easier said than done. And Cheney, we've, we've seen him a couple of times. Boy, they can light up the scoreboard. They have a lot of good receivers, good backs, solid defensively. I, I don't see the upset. Um, I think Halstead can keep it interesting, but in the end, I think Cheney's too much. Yeah, I don't see the, the upset happening either, but what Lakin Farmer does give you, as if you're a Halstead fan, is, they, is he gives you a puncher's chance. He gives you an opportunity, at least, uh, to, to be in this game. And, you know, with a 48-minute game, if Halstead's going to have any chance, I'm going to say they're going to need the ball at least 35 of those minutes. So you're going to need pretty much to play a perfect game, not turn the ball over, have some long drives with the Cheney offense and staying on the field or staying off the field, getting antsy because there's nothing they can do about it. I, I still think that Cheney is going to win this one, but I do think that Halsett has a puncher's chance. I, I'm with you there. You know, you got somebody that good that can go off. You always have that puncher's chance, but I think Cheney will win this game, which would set up a potential Cheney-Wichita collegiate 
second Woo-hoo. round game. Wow. <laughs> I love it. The first round is pretty loaded. The second round, boy, could be loaded with some tremendous matchups. The uh, stream game that I will have on Friday night, Washington County at Little River. Washington County, 4-2, and 2-1. and one. They're the three seed out of their district. At the two seed out of District 4, Little River, they're 6-2, and 4-1. and one. And the last time Washington County played, they won on October 9th at Maranatha Academy. 68 to 20 and Little River. Um, they have just been rolling over their opponents 64 nothing at Solomon and 56 to 6 versus Bennington. They won. Those are a couple of common opponents between these two teams. Washington County beat Bennington 36 to 16, but lost to Canton Galva 48 nothing. Little River only lost 56. 238, and when you talk Little River, Brad, that, that two-headed monster in the backfield, you never know who's lining up where with Graham Stevens and Jaden Garrison. Uh, Stevens has 21 combined passing touchdowns and rushing. He's thrown for nine, rushed for 12 on the season, and averages about seven and a half yards when he carries it. Jaden Garrison, how about a, a three-way threat? He's thrown for six touchdowns. He's run for 18 and averages almost 11 yards a carry. He's caught seven touchdown passes and averages almost 21 yards per reception. So uh, Kevin Ayers, he keeps you guessing. You have no idea what this offense is going to do. Graham Stevens, remember we saw him in the playoffs get hurt last year at the end of their first round win. They missed him desperately. He's their best tackler. Um, I like Little River not only in this game, but to potentially make a deep run. They got to the quarters last year. I think they can get back there this year again. Yeah, first of all, they're going to win comfortably against Washington County with all due respect there. Uh, Little River is just a very talented team, so diverse. They, they, They played with Canton Galva, which says a lot about Little River in my opinion. But if they do, they will have a second-round matchup with Clifton Clyde, who mm. beat the River in overtime. And I think that if they can get by Clifton Clyde, we could see, and I think we will see, a semifinal matchup rematch with Canton Galva. Boy, how much fun would that be? Oh, wow. Sign me up now. I'm trying to see how far they would have to get looking at the bracket here because they're just on the top side of that. They would have to one. Yeah, they'd have to win three games uh, um, to get to that point, but um, certainly, certainly capable. And boy, what, what a matchup that would be if they rematch with Clifton Clyde. And if I read the bracket correctly, the first two rounds are at the, um, the higher seed as far as how you finished yeah. in district. And then you do the East West formula after that. So they would have to go back to Clyde and play again where they lost by six in overtime. But of course you, you learn a lot from those games you've got good scouting reports so um we certainly like little river here on friday night to beat washington county the other stream game we have is four and four bell plain they went three and two in their district they're at five and three and four and one hillsborough we mentioned hillsborough that 41 14 loss at trinity bell plain won at home uh 27 to 6 over douglas uh, bell playing brad kind of a team that they beat the teams they were supposed to, haven't beat any of the teams that were picked to beat them. So they're kind of, I wonder how much that gets in your head to where, well, we can beat this team, but we can't beat this team because they're pretty good. Um, Hillsboro, I think, 
I think they'll get their head right after that tough loss at Trinity. Do you see this being a, a close one late in the game? You know, I think Hillsborough bounces back from this one. And they've had some tough losses this year to good, good opposition. But, yeah, you mentioned Bell playing. I mean, look at what they've done in victory. They've, they've won 49 to nothing over Wichita Independent. 62 to nothing over Bluestem, 46 to nothing over Chaparral, and 27 to 6 over Douglas. And then their four losses to Cheney, Hutch Trinity, <laughs> Kingman, and Garden Plain. I mean, they've lost to some outstanding teams. Then the four wins and four losses, and their closest game either way has been 21 points. I mean, they there's they haven't they haven't been in a tight game. And what if this game gets to the fourth quarter and, it, and it's tied? I mean, how what's Bell Plain gonna do? It's it's gonna be interesting to see how they would react to a down-to-the-wire game. But I do like Hillsborough bouncing back in this one, though. I do, too. Bell Plains is just one of those strange teams. That may, maybe this is the night. I don't think so. But if Hillsborough could win this game, that would set up a really intriguing matchup, um, potentially at Garden Plain in the second round of the playoffs. That would be an extremely interesting game as well. A couple other area games we'll look at. Um, this one... This should get a lot more hype than I think it's going to, and both of these teams should. Both kind of flying under the radar. Number 10 rank Clearwater, they're 6-2, and two, went 3-2 and two in that Andale-Wichita Collegiate District. That was their two losses. They're at Holcomb, who is unranked, which surprised me. They're 7-1, and 4-1 and one in their district. Uh, Holcomb's lone loss was, I believe, is a four-point loss to Cheney, who's undefeated. They on Friday night beat Hugoton 42-28, and Clearwater beat Heston 42-25. These are two very, I think, underrated teams, even though Clearwater's ranked. Um, the winner of this game, I certainly would not want to be their second-round opponent. Yeah, I tell you what, Holcomb is kind of an underrated, just, I, I don't understand how they can be flying under the radar. They've recently won a state championship, but... Um... The fewest points they've scored this year, Scott, were the 28th they had in that loss to Cheney. You know, they've gone over 30 points in every other game except for a 29-19 win over Cimarron. They can put up points. They've got an experienced coach with Kent Teeter. It's, it's, it's a long trip out there for Clearwater. And Clearwater, obviously a very good team. Tanner Cash, one of the top players in, in Kansas. And what, what a great name, by the way. I mean, if you're, if you're a quarterback and your name is Tanner Cash, you're automatically a good player. I mean, <laughs> He doesn't even have to work at it because his name alone gets him where he's at. No, I'm kidding. But uh, he is a heck of a player, though. And, uh, you know, they had a good win over Heston last weekend. There are two losses, the Collegian and Andale. Neither one of them were blowouts. They were, they, they were, they, they competed in those two games. So Clearwater's kind of uh, – th- this is a good first-round matchup for both teams. I just have to give a very slight edge to Holcomb in this one. It's a long trip out there. And I think the Holcomb's just kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And they can kind of play up the, the no respect factor. Almost beating Cheney was probably, that was probably their best result of the season, actually. Yeah, that gave him, I'm sure, the confidence to know, hey, we could actually be 8-0 having beaten the team that's currently ranked number three. And, and by the way, the second round opponent would be highly likely would be Andale for one of these two teams. But uh, they certainly would like to have that opportunity. And this, this could be one of the best games, not just in the area, but in the state on Friday night. But I, too, a uh, slight favorite um, to Holcomb in this one. Well, now we'll look at one more game. This is in Class 5A, a rematch of earlier in the season. And intrigue all over this one for number four, Hutchison. 
And ended up seven and one on the regular season. Another close win Friday night, 32 28 over a really good Mays team. They're hosting Newton. Uh, Newton, two and six, maybe one of the best two and six teams, certainly in Class 5A. Got their second win Friday, 42 15 at campus. Uh, they played Hutch very tough in the first game. Let me just quickly, I want to remind myself of that score. It was a close game throughout when and Hutch pulled away right at the last, and that was uh, 54-42. We know Newton can put points on the board. It's, it's been their defense, um, and Hutch, you know, they they grind it. They pound it at you. They control the clock. That's what that's their formula. That's what they will try to do. I think they will do against Newton, but, again, do we see this one being another tight one for Hutch in the fourth quarter? I do think that this one's going to be tight. I do, I do like Hutch to win. But I do think that Newton is – they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. They beat Salina South. They've beaten campus. They're going into this game with a two-game win streak. And then you look at the teams that they've lost to, Andover Central, Derby, Mays, Hutch, Mays South, Goddard. I mean, six just brutal opponents. And they were competitive in pretty much all those games. So they had to learn how to win. They got a couple wins, so they have learned how to win. And now they're playing a familiar team with Hutchinson. But the Salt Hawks with Alec McEwen, one of the top running backs in all of Kansas. They got Miles Thompson at quarterback, who had the famous they they call it the slam dunk because he's <laughs> six foot seven, and when they get to the one yard line, he just literally dives over the top. I and mean, there's really nothing anybody can do about it. I and mean, there's no way to stop a six foot seven quarterback putting his arms up and just diving over the top of the pile <laughs> like that. So, and that's how, that he scored the winning touchdown against Mays that way. And it is going to be a tough game, I think. But I do like Hutch to win this one. But, boy, I tell you what, uh, if you're Newton, you're thinking, wow, we couldn't have asked for a better first-round matchup being 2-6 and six right now. Yeah, you know, they, they're finally, I think, getting that confidence with a couple of wins under their belt, a convincing one on Friday night. I, I, too, think Hutch will find a way, as they have all season long, to win this one, and boy, that could possibly set up a blue blood matchup in the second round with Bishop Carroll. How good of a second round matchup would that be? Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. And the thing is, is that Hutchinson's kind of relished the underdog role this year, which seems to be happening more often than not. You know, with May South and Mays especially, uh, I think that Hutch would relish that one, even though that they're the higher seed than would be at home. Bishop Carroll's loss uh, losses have been. I mean, they they just pounded St. Thomas Aquinas last week, but they lost to Lawrence for one of their two losses on the season. So certainly no shame in that. And I think that Bishop Carroll will go in there probably as a pretty strong favorite, but I, that's where Hutch has actually played some of their best football this season is when they've been kind of doubted. Yeah, nothing like uh, putting a chip on somebody's shoulder when they're already playing that well. And I, I'm sure Hutch is uh, – they, they will take it. You know, Go ahead and disrespect us, and we'll just keep – winning football games well we have one more high school game to preview let's move to our saturday schedule on ad astra it's going to be the consolation game in the six-man playoffs that game will be on 100.3 knzs at one o'clock golden plains who's four and three they'll be taking on cunningham who is six and one that's out in dodge city again it's for third and fourth place uh cunningham suffered their first loss to moscow this past weekend, 58-12, to 12, and Golden Plains lost to the favorite here in the playoffs, Shy Lynn, on the road, 61-14. Brad, I had Cunningham's opening round game in the playoffs. Uh, they were at home 
beat Northern Valley in a very competitive, fun game. And I'm going to go ahead and toot the six-man horn, Brad. That was the first six-man game I've done. I tell you, there at Cunningham, if you wanted to rob somebody's house, last Tuesday was the night to do it. Because I think everybody <laughs> in that town was at that game. They lined around the track and their vehicles. The stands were full. Northern Valley brought people. And there were just people all around in their vehicles on a chilly night. The rules, it's still football, but some of the fun rules they have with the you kick an extra point, it's actually worth two. The conversion's only worth one. It's first and 15. If you snap it to the man you snap it to, he has to give it up before he can cross the line of scrimmage. It's a lot of fun. The The towns, the smaller towns, really support their teams. Um, that was a fun, fun game. Cunningham didn't have a single all-league player last year. It's a great story this year, but I'm here to say – if you're a small school considering six man, let's do it. Let's get the 24 necessary teams here after next year when the districts redo themselves and let's make six man an official classification here in Kansas because it's a lot of fun, Brad. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, I think we're up to 15 teams now and it's no longer a novelty. Six man football is here to stay in Kansas. And what it's done is it's, it's enabled teams like Cunningham or schools like Cunningham who had a co-op for a few years, first with Fairfield and then with uh, uh, Kingman, I believe, is enabled them to revive football at their school. Yes. And then you have a season like they've had. They've made it to the semifinals. they got a chance to finish in third place. Now all of a sudden you're generating a little bit more interest with some of the, the kids who maybe were on the fence about playing football or the middle school kids. Hey, I want to be a part of this. The kids around town growing up, hey, I want to be a Cunningham Wildcat one day. So this is this this is a great deal, and it's a great way to, to kind of save football in, 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 in these small towns. And that's not to say that co-oping is a bad thing. It's not. It gives these kids an opportunity at some of the smaller schools to still play. But I think when push comes to shove, if you can have six-man football, you know, flying solo like Cunningham is, or having a co-op with an eight-man or 11-man team, I think that most schools would agree, let's just let's go down to six-man and have our own team at our, at our school. Yeah, and, and we said, what did it do for Burton? I mean, look at that, Brad. They won two games. They hadn't won a game since 2017. Um, they won two games this year. Um, and it's it kind of revived the interest in, in Charger football there in Burton just because they were able to um, to play six-man. And I just – I mean, we're not naive. We know some of these schools eventually are going to have to combine with somebody else. But if it gives you the chance to – extend your own program out, um, even even a couple of cycles of four years or maybe six or eight years more. Um, I just don't see any downside to doing it. I really don't. And I I hope we'll see um, six-man, once re- districts won't do it next year, but the year after that, they'll reshuffle the districts. I hope at that point we can say uh, six-man is an official state championship. And again, that's 100.3 at one o'clock on Saturday. And now our weekly obligation, Brad, we'll talk KU football, uh, 94-7. And again, it's an early start for TV. I, I don't understand the the need to get KU on uh, Fox Sports every week, but here they are again. <laughs> oh, good. I'm sorry. And I'm a KU fan, but oh, my gosh. I, I watched part, uh, the very start, and listened to that game. I was actually working the Tabor-Bethany College game. Um, last weekend, which was a lot of fun, but I listened to the game, that first quarter, which was seven to nothing, and that was by far the best part, Brad, because then it just went south. 
in a hurry. Uh, they were playing. Uh, now he has actually turned 18 years old. He was still 17. Jalen Daniels got the start again through a pick, his first pass of the game. KU is without their top three receivers. Puka Williams isn't on the, the team anymore. Um, the offense can't move the ball. The defense gets wore out, can't stop anybody. Um, I just don't know what to say about about Kansas football. I, I know everybody says, well, you know, relax. It's just less miles, second year. But they weren't supposed to get this much worse than last year, Brad. Um, and they, they clearly are. I mean, there's, there's no nice way to say it. They're going to go to number 23, or they actually host number 23, Iowa State, who's three and two overall, but sitting in that three-way tie with K-State and Oklahoma State atop the Big 12. They're going to come in and, you know, you've mentioned it before, KU always seems to find one game a season where they just really put it together. I'm having a hard time figuring out what week that's going to be. Uh, I hope it's Saturday, <laughs> but boy, I don't know what you think. I don't think it will be. I think Kansas is going to revive this program, and it's been a decade now. But if they're going to revive this program, they're going to have to do with in-state talent with Kansas kids. And I say that because Iowa State's got Brees Hall, a Wichita Northwest kid who has really been playing well his first couple of years up in Ames. And those are, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to keep every Kansas kid at KU or K-State for that matter. But if they're going to revive this program, it's going to have to be with in-state kids and not let kids like Brees Hall get away. And, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to be chomping at the bit to play in his home state on, on Saturday, and it's it's not going to be pretty. And I know the Kansas defense has looked a little bit better. They played fairly decent against K-State, but the, the offense is just an unmitigated disaster. I just don't see how Kansas is even competitive in this one. I don't either. Again, it's, uh, it's disappointing. I, I mean, I was – I was optimistic coming into this year. Just it was Les Miles' second year. You know, he's the big name. He did it all at LSU. But, you know, I think we're going to have to suffer because, you know, you've got to give him a couple more years for sure after this to get his his guys in that he's recruited. But it's it's tough to watch right now, and it could be tough <laughs> to watch again on Saturday as they host Iowa State. Well, I'm going to be out on the road on Saturday, it's a 1 o'clock pregame, 1.30 kickoff on 95.9. The Sterling Warriors back in action. They are 0-4 on the season, and they are at the biggest surprise of the season, Brad. Southwestern is 4-0 and um, coming into this game. And uh, two weeks ago, Southwestern went to Kansas Wesleyan, <clears throat> excuse me, thumped them. 42 to 21 in Salina and that raised everybody's eyebrows last week. They dominated St. Mary and Winfield uh, 59 to three. This was a team the last couple of seasons, Brad, I, you know, I see them every year. They had pretty good defenses the last couple of years and they had good skill players on offense. They were young and they're now a lot of them are juniors and seniors and they just didn't have a quarterback. No consistent play. You'd see two or three quarterbacks in the same game. And I thought to myself, they keep this group together and they can bring in consistent quarterback play. They can be tough to beat. And that's exactly what they have done. Brad Cagle is their quarterback this year. 66% completion. He's throwing for 228 a game. He's running for 43 a game. He averages 6.3 yards a carry. 
13 passing touchdowns, one interception this season. His running back, Keyshawn Wyatt, um, is a smaller but a strong back, averages 122 rushing yards a game. He's got a receiver also named Keyshawn. Keyshawn Jones, 136 yards receiving a game, 23 yards a catch. They have put it all together. They look like they could be a real threat when they do play Bethel, who's by looks far and away the favorite now to win the KCAC. They're going to play the beat-up Sterling team. It does look like they'll get Ethan Richardson back at quarterback this week. He's played about six quarters this year in two games and gotten dinged up in both games, so hopefully he's 100% healthy. He's looked good in those two games. He has not turned the ball over. Uh, he threw for five touchdowns in those two games. Uh, it's just that, boy, their defense is – they're down to, I think, their fourth or fifth string nose tackle if there is such a thing. They, they've converted a, a, a tight end and an offensive lineman over to the defensive line just for to get some depth. They're freshman laden. They get wore out. They, they're giving up almost 50 points a game. Um, it, it's hard to see how they can go out on the road, even with a week off, to try to get healthy and and keep this one close. They've got to find a way to to, to run the football with uh, Alex Harbour and Daniel Doris Carr, or this could be a long afternoon for the for the Warriors. They have been able to score in every game, Scott, uh, but the the defense just has not been able to get off the field. I mean, when you look at the the, the number of points that they've allowed so far this year, the one thing I do that does concern me was. The Bethany lost 26-21. I thought that was such a golden opportunity to not just get a win, but to show that they can win a game. So, you know, if they do find a way to be in the Southwestern game, you know, they haven't learned how to win yet. So so if they do get in a close game, do we trust them to, to be able to pull it off? I, I don't I don't know if, if, we, if there's an answer to that right now. So uh, I, I'd like to think that they can put, be in this game, but can they pull it off if they are? So they, they – at 0 and 4, it's 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 tough right now. I don't know. Again, uh, bye weeks. You know, they've had a couple of unintended this year, which you know we've seen that a lot. This was their scheduled bye week they had, but 21 to six leading going into that fourth quarter, that Bethany game, and giving up 20 unanswered. The game winner with seven or six seconds left. Um, I think I would have rather played the next week than had a week off and man, two weeks to think about about that loss and then look at your opponent today is so good (laughs) i'm with you trying to find trying to find a way to win and then believe in a close game that you can win that that may be a good half of the battle um, for them so hopefully they can find a way to to be in this game in the second half um, coming up on this saturday again that's 95 9 at 130 on saturday well the chiefs return to action on Sunday. They're going to play the 0-7 Jets at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs are now 6-1 after a 43-16 win at the Broncos. Jets played better at home. They took uh, Buffalo to an 18-10 game and lost that game. I mean, this is trap game written all over this one uh, for the Chiefs after coming off of that big road victory at the Broncos. I got to watch the first half of the Broncos game. I listened to most of the second half. Uh, they had the, the the pick six in that game. They had the big punt return, or no, excuse me, kickoff return by Pringle for 102 yards there in the second quarter. 
I was concerned, but then and now that I think about it, the offense was out of sync for a good portion of that game, but they didn't play most of the second quarter. <laughs> right. On a 17-degree day in the snow because um, the Broncos were driving, they get the pick six, then the Broncos drove on a long drive, kicked a field goal, so they go, okay, we're going to get on the field. Well, then you return the kick 102 yards for a touchdown. So the, they struggled at times. Now, the Broncos did something the last two weeks, you know, the Patriots and the Bills did not do. They blitzed a lot. Uh, teams were starting to think, well, we have to make Mahomes dink and dunk us. We have to play coverage, rush just three or four guys. The Broncos blitzed them a lot, and that kind of makeshift offensive line right now did not look as good. Um, the Broncos had a good defensive scheme. The Broncos were very good in the red zone. Again, they have been all season. They forced a lot of field goals, which Butker made all of them although he missed his fifth extra point of the, yep. of the season on their last touchdown. But they did get the offense going in the second half. Le'Veon Bell in limited duty, he he looked good, Brad, I have to admit. He he looked very good, that running style, I like his. And the compliment of him and Clyde Edwards-Lair in the back, that's, um, that's pretty awesome. The Chiefs got it done on the road in bad weather. I think they have to fight themselves as much as the Jets on Sunday. I mean, I think they win. I just hope that they will get in a rhythm early, put the Jets away. Um, the Jets look like they're out there just collecting a paycheck or something. They 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 look terrible this year. So I, I think they win going away, but um, I think the Chiefs will be 7-1. and one. You think Le'Veon Bell's looking forward to this game at all? Oh, and there's a little juice going there, I'm sure. It'd be a little more in the pits if they played Pittsburgh, which I hope they don't. I haven't looked that far ahead. But, uh, yeah, he's going to have some juice, isn't he? Yeah, I think that the Chiefs, I mean, they open as a 21-and-a-half point favorite, which, Scott, <laughs> for the NFL, is almost unheard of. My brother was telling me about that, and I said, you know what, I'd almost, I think I'd almost take the Jets and the points there. And here's why is, you know, you get off to you're up 34 to seven late and then you take the you take out the stars and then get a garbage touchdown late and it's 34 to 14. Hey, you just won the bet there in 34 to 14 games. So I'm not sure where the line is at uh, as we record this on Tuesday. But I mean, this has just got to be one of the grossest mismatches in regular season football that we've seen in quite some time. Um, I just don't know how the Jets can be competitive. I mean, I can't. I mean, the Chiefs could bring their D game, lose a turnover battle by four, and, and probably still win this game by 15, 20 points. They are begging you, Vegas is there, to, to, to bet that line, aren't they? They are just challenging. They're trying to find some <laughs> way for you to rationalize taking the Jets in that game. With, with that kind of spread, that is something. Looking at the Chiefs' schedule, yes, no Steelers. I'm glad to um, not see them on the, on the schedule, but um, – any concerns uh, you have with the Chiefs moving forward? Yeah, I mean, there's always concerns. The, the, my biggest concern is the inconsistency with the defense, Scott. And they the look so defense, bad. Yeah, they look so bad on some possessions, and then they look great on others. I just don't get that. Um, the offense has also been a little bit spotty here and there. Uh, I, I know the Broncos, not a bad defensive team. Showed them some different stuff, and I think teams are probably going to have to try to blitz a little bit more because you can't have Patrick Mahomes sit back there because he's just going to pick you apart. And if and if he's patient enough and doesn't see anything, he's just going to run for 15, 20 yards in the first down. So I think teams are, are going to start to have to blitz more. Uh, what concerns do I have going forward? I mean, I guess the only concern I have right now would just be injuries or something like that. 
But right now, and I hate to say this, Scott, but I mean, this has 14 and two written all over, all over it for the Chiefs right now. And incredibly, if you look at what the Steelers have done, 14 and two may not be good enough to get the number one seed. You're correct. I mean, the Steelers, they got that, that game against the Titans probably shouldn't have been that close. The Steelers almost let a big lead get away. They looked, they look awful good, but, but I'm with you. Maybe my biggest concern is their run defense because it's not just that they're except really in one game there, there are a lot of bend, but don't break defense. But the trouble is when you're not very good against the run, Patrick Mahomes has to sit on the sideline longer because teams right. control the clock. <clears throat> they don't have to, you don't have to throw the ball as much. Clock keeps running. You keep chewing up yards and first downs, and that limits your team's possessions offensively. And I think maybe that's maybe that's my one big concern. And I think that leads to some of the inconsistency. The longer you sit and longer you watch, you can get out of the rhythm of a game, especially when it's snowing and 17 degrees, as it was in Denver. But maybe my one concern. But, yeah, um, looking at their schedule, I mean, they still have to go to the Raiders, uh, to the Buccaneers. And uh, they also are at the Saints, but Chargers, Falcons at home, Panthers at home, uh, Broncos at home, um, not a lot of those games. They're on the road at Miami, who's, I think, made a big mistake benching Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's playing really well. They go with the, I understand the need to get Tua in there, but I I don't agree with that. But yeah, the schedule is favorable. I mean, it certainly has 13 and three for sure, um, possibly 14 and two, but May not be enough to get the number one seed, but uh, we shall see again. The, the Chiefs and Jets, I believe that is a noon game on Sunday. Well, that is all of the games we were going to cover, Brad, so I guess it's final thought time. Do you want to go first? I told you I've got a good one for you when I go. Yeah, this I, this one is actually not sports-related, <laughs> Scott. Uh, we lost a valuable member of our family this week, our 16-and-a-half-year-old uh, miniature schnauzer cricket. Uh, unfortunately passed away this week and uh, boy cricket was literally the first dog I ever had I didn't ever had a dog growing up my mom wouldn't allow it she thought she'd be the one who had to take care of it fair enough if mom's not happy nobody's happy so uh, we got cricket for my uh, oldest daughter Laurel's uh, boy I want to say it was her sixth birthday and she's been with us ever since and really lived a incredibly a healthy life I mean she really never had any problems to speak of except for maybe a couple, like a, a worm or something like that, once yeah. or twice. But, boy, I tell you what, you just don't really realize how much you miss dogs until they're gone. I mean, they're just they're, – they literally are part of your family, Scott. And, uh, boy, it was it was a sad night in the Howler night on Monday night, losing cricket like that. Uh, but, again, 16 and a half years, I mean, she did it all in those years. Yeah, I have – grown up, I've had dogs. I've had labs my entire adult life, and they, they do. They become – they are part of the family, and, and it hurts when you lose them, and you just hope that they have a good long lives, as it sounds like. 16 and a half, even for a small doll, that's, that's, a, yep. that's a good long life. Well, saddle in for this one, because I, <laughs> I have had I'm going to stick with the NFL for my final thoughts. Um, as people that know me know, I'm a lifelong Chiefs and Cowboys fan. Brad, I have had. I'm sorry. I have had it with the Dallas Cowboys. I'd had it before Sunday, and I have really had it now. I mean, I'm not even sure where to start with this team. I mean, I I referred to the Jets as collecting paychecks. Dallas Cowboys. There's 53 guys out there that are doing nothing more 
than collecting game checks right now. They played one of the worst teams in the league on the road Sunday. They went to Washington, who had won one game, and got punked. I mean, <laughs> dominated. 25-3 to three in that game. And that wasn't even the worst part of that game, Brad. There's three things I think can fix the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. Fire Jerry Jones, fire Stephen Jones, and fire Mike McCarthy. Till the Joneses are out of the way, the Cowboys are never, never going to win another championship. They need football guys to run this team. And reason I say Mike McCarthy needs to be gone, the one play in that game that tells me that this is not a team, and this goes to coaching, Brad, when your quarterback, Andy Dalton, goes into yep. the slide, yep. and he takes a vicious, illegal cheap shot. cheap shot, and how this guy is not suspended, this Bostic, I see he's not going to be suspended. I don't know what you're looking for. They're trying to get that exact hit targeting right to the head especially on a quarterback, out of the game, and he's not going to be suspended. That's a topic for another day, but that, again, is not the worst part. You watch that film, Brad. There is not a single player off of that Cowboy team coming out, not to just check on their quarterback, but to get in the face of Bostic. If that's if that's Big Ben Roethlisberger, if that's Tom Brady, if that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, insert any other NFL quarterback. If my quarterback gets punked and taken out like that on a slide, there's a fight breaking out within yep. two or three seconds of that play. And it's an ugly fight. And an ugly fight. You don't, you don't, you protect your team, especially your quarterback. Where's his offensive line? <laughs> there, you didn't even see anybody come over there to see if he's, if he's hurt other than their training staff. I mean, that's pathetic, and that describes the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones thinks he can make make a trade before the trade deadline and fix and fix the Cowboys. I'd like to point out when Dak Prescott was quarterback in this team, they were two and four in the games he started. They should have been one and five. They had no business winning the Atlanta game the way they did with that onside kick that Atlanta watched go ten yards and let the Cowboys <laughs> recover. And you have to realize. Prescott did something in a three-game stretch in those first four games that had never been done in the NFL. He threw for over 450 yards in three straight games per game. Mm -hmm. It had never been done. And I think they lost all but one of those games <laughs> and shouldn't have won the one they won. And to think that he could fix it with a move or two before the, the deadline. They have the worst defense in the league. They need to run Zeke Elliott, and all he does against the, the, the Cardinals two weeks ago is give it to him, fumbling twice in the first half. They're down 21 nothing before you know what hit them. Uh, it's, it's, it's horrible, you know, and I know people love to hate the Cowboys. You either love or you hate the Cowboys. I figured that out long ago. But it's hard to watch, especially when you see zero effort out of a team and that they don't come to a defense of – their quarterback, when he got taken out on a legal hit like that, it, it just was the last straw for me. I mean, th this team, they are the worst and by far the worst division. They're worse than the Giants, even though they have a game better record and beat them. They shouldn't have beat the Giants. They're, they may be, if they, right now, if they played the Jets as constructed, they would only be a point and a half favorite. <laughs> and if that game was in New York, I would favor the Jets. <laughs> that's how bad that's how bad the Dallas Cowboys are right now. I, 
I finally, I, I'd kept my mouth shut for a long time on them. And Sunday I had, I'd finally had it with, with the Cowboys. That that's just, that's inexcusable. I know it's a profession and it's a job, but to have no passion, no camaraderie is, is just pathetic. Well, I'm glad you feel better after that rant, but I agree. I mean, that was just, it's embarrassing when, uh, I mean, if, if something like that happened to Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or not even an elite quarterback, but like a Derek Carr or a Drew Locke, I would fully expect a full-fledged brawl to happen. Yeah, and there was, I said, to, not even anybody came over except the training staff. I mean, it's just something you hadn't seen before. I tell you, the, I listened to some talk radio the next day that had, you know, a lot of former players on, you know, Get Up or, or Greeny's show in the, in the morning in the first take. And the former players, they jumped all over the Cowboys as they rightfully should, you know, saying the same things that we have said that they just, that was inexcusable not to um, do anything like that, to, to stick up for your teammates. But that's, uh, I promise that'll be the last time that I end my final thoughts on the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys, but I think it uh, needed to be said this week. So uh, anything else you got for us, Brad? No, nope, I, I, I can't, I can't top that anyway. So, <laughs> So again, ninety-four uh, seven on Thursday, Peabody Burns at uh, Central Plains, ninety-five-nine Valley Falls at Canton Galva, one hundred point three as Maxville at Argonia Attica, Kicks one hundred six Marion at Garden Plain, and our stream game Lions at Blue Stem. Friday, ninety-four-seven Haven at Kingman, ninety-five-nine Circle at Bueller, one hundred point three Trinity hosts Chaparral, Kicks one hundred six Halstead travels the Cheney. Our two stream games, Washington County at Little River, Bell Plain at Hillsborough. And on Saturday, in order of start times, 94-7 at 11, KU versus Iowa State at 1 o'clock on 100.3 Golden Plains and Cunningham in six-man action out in Dodge City. And I'll have a 1 o'clock pregame, 130 kick, 95-9, Sterling Warriors at the Southwestern Mound Builders. Well, we've enjoyed a little bit extra long uh, podcast this week and we'll be back um, to preview week two of the playoffs and college football as well as this has been the view from the press box featuring myself scott hogan and for brad hallier god bless we'll see you at the games